attention to the reading of Scripture, a portion that you can find in Psalm 104 in your pew Bible. That's on page 691. So we read from Psalm 104, and we do so to remind ourselves of the reality that our Lord God is sovereign, uh, that as the seed in the springtime was committed into the ground, uh, we trust that in His sovereignty the Lord will cause it to grow, and that there will be not only a springtime, but also a fall in which there will be a harvest. And that applies to all aspects of our life. Uh, we rise in the morning based upon God's sovereign preservation of our earthly lives. We go through our days trusting in God's sovereign providence over our lives. And we also rest our heads uh, on our pillows in the evening, relying upon God's sovereign care over our lives. These truths are revealed for us in Scripture, and so we read not only as a reminder, but also as an expression of thanksgiving to our God, Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, You are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. Who cover Yourself with light as with a garment. Who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. He lays the beams of His upper chambers in the waters. Who makes the clouds His chariot who walks on the wings of the wind, who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. You who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the voice of your thunder they hastened away. They went up over the mountains, they went down into the valleys, to the place which you founded for them. You have set a boundary that they may not pass over, that they may not return to cover the earth. He sends the springs into the valleys, they flow among the hills, they give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. By them the birds of the heavens have their home, they sing among the branches. He waters the hills from His upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man, that He may bring forth food from the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make His face shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, which He planted, where the birds... Make their nest. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high hills are for the wild goats. The cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's going down. You make darkness, and it is night, in which all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they gather together and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. This great and wide sea in which are innumerable teeming things, living things both small and great. There the ships sail about. There is that Leviathan which you have made to play there. These all wait for you that you may give them their food in due season. What you give them, they gather in. You open your hand, they are filled with good. You hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath, 
They die and return to their dust. You send forth Your Spirit, they are created, and You renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works. He looks on the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be sweet to Him. I will be glad in the Lord. May sinners be consumed from the earth and the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. We'll worship by using song, remaining seated, but turning in our Trinity Psalter hymnal to the psalm which we just read, 104b. Uh, We'll sing stanzas 1, 2, 3, and then 16. So the first three and then also the 16th from 104b. now join together as a congregation with a prayer of thanksgiving. O Lord, our God, we do gather together this morning to give thanks unto Your most holy name. Uh, We have been reminded through the reading of Scripture, uh, which is verified by also the experience that we have in our days and in the weeks of our life, that You are a good God. And we thank You for being a good God. A God who is good in and of Yourself, but a God who also expresses Your goodness by blessing us with 
every good and perfect gift, both for time and for eternity. And so in the midst of the busyness of life, we do thank You that by Your providence, You continue to give us here in this land a national day of thanksgiving in which we can temporarily pause from that creation mandate of going about our vocation, our labor, and our toil, in which we can set aside a day and to contemplate Your goodness and Your faithfulness and to respond with expressions of our gratitude through prayer and through song and through the reading of the Holy Word. And we thank You also, Father, that we can engage in this act of thanksgiving, not in isolation, but with our fellow brothers and sisters, both through family ties, but also through the spiritual tie uh, that is the congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now we also come to Your holy throne in prayer through Jesus Christ, our interceding High Priest. And we ask that You would receive our thanksgiving as we reflect upon Your goodness displayed to us uh, by Your constant providential care. Uh, Father, we thank You for life itself, uh, for our physical life, and for the opportunity to reflect something of Your glory as we live the days of our life. Uh, We thank You, Heavenly Father, that You have created us in Your image. And that we have the opportunity, empowered by Your Spirit, to display something of Your character as we go through this life. We thank You, Father, that there are times in which we can rejoice as we receive the good gifts that You give unto us. The gift of life, the gift of family, uh, the gift of food and of wine and of oil. uh, Of all of these components that You cause to grow and to flourish within the created realm. We thank You, Heavenly Father. Uh, that the Christian life does not have to be a life of dread, uh, nor of some type of slavery, but rather a life of freedom. For You are our Father. And we thank You for that also. That You have reconciled us to Yourself uh, by the work of Your Son, Jesus Christ, providing an atoning sacrifice uh, to remove the guilt of our sins and to purge us from the uh, corruption of our depravity. Heavenly Father, we thank You for our daily bread. In the springtime of this year, seed was committed into the ground with the expectation but also the prayer that You would prosper and that You would cause uh, the seed to grow. And as we have sung, the crops have now been harvested and they have been gathered in. And we thank You for an abundant harvest. We thank You also for safety throughout the harvest season. Uh, Lord, We confess that at times we think that we are self-reliant and self-dependent. But without Your blessing, uh, we can do nothing. And so we thank You that throughout this past year, daily You have fed us with good food. Uh, We thank You for all of Your providential care that continues to uphold uh, the supply chains of which we have heard much about in this last year. And while we uh, recognize that there have been interruptions uh, in that supply chain, we Thank You, Heavenly Father, that You orchestrate everything so that daily we have received our bread and also clothing and shelter, whether it be in the midst of the hot summer months or whether it be in the midst of the cold winter months. You have blessed us with adequate shelter. We ask then that You would give us a heart of contentment that would imitate the Apostle Paul, that we might say that we have learned in all things to be content, having sufficient food and having sufficient clothing. Uh, May we then also present the entirety of our beings unto You, our Lord and our God. Uh, We thank You, Heavenly Father, not only for the realm of providence, 
as we have traveled to and fro many times without a thought, uh, You have watched over us and You have blessed us. But we do remember that there are families who will gather together on this day and also in the upcoming holiday season uh, with an empty spot, so to speak. Uh, we recognize that You have called unto Yourself various persons throughout this past year. Lord, we ask especially that You would bless those who remain left behind temporarily. We ask, Father, that You would comfort their hearts, that they might not be overwhelmed by grief, but that even in the midst of our life here, we might know that an eternal life awaits all who love You and look for the appearance of Your Son, Jesus Christ. And We thank You, Father, for Your preserving grace that sustains our faith. For we testify that we walk not by sight, but by faith. We thank You, Heavenly Father, for giving us the Scriptures. Uh, We ask that You would continue to give us uh, a desire to read the Scriptures and to study the Scriptures. May we know that here we have the source of spiritual life. And so, Heavenly Father, we also pray that You would continue to give us the freedom to worship You openly and without hindrance from Uh, magistrates, or other circumstances. We thank You, Lord, that we have been able to come uh, to worship You corporately together. And we ask that we, along with our children, and even our children's children, might always seize this opportunity uh, that is given us so that there might indeed be a congregation that calls upon the name of the Lord and worships You in spirit and in truth. Heavenly Father, we ask now that as we turn our attention to Your Word briefly this morning, that You might bless our consideration of it, that You would reveal to us uh, by a reminder, or perhaps for the first time, uh, the fact that You are God, that You alone are God, and that to You we owe uh, all praise, honor, and glory, reflecting upon Your goodness and Your faithfulness, Your mercy and Your truth shown unto us. We ask this. For the sake of Jesus Christ, in whose blessed name we do pray, amen. Uh, We'll then use our Trinity Psalter hymnal once again to sing a song of preparation. Uh, We'll turn to selection 247. We'll stand, if able, and sing the three stanzas from 247, after which you may be seated again.
This morning, congregation, if you take your Bible and open to Psalm 100, uh, we want to read this passage of Scripture and also use it uh, for our reflection this morning uh, to not only excite within us a spirit uh, of gratitude, but also direct us in how we should express our gratitude to our Lord and to our God. So we read Psalm 100, fittingly entitled, A Psalm of Thanksgiving. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we gather underneath God's providence as a congregation together this morning on a national day of thanksgiving, perhaps we would be well served to remember uh, the origins, at least of the national day of thanksgiving, as we have it here in the United States of America. We do not reflect upon the origins of this National Day of Thanksgiving to congratulate ourselves or to exalt our nation, but rather to remind ourselves of the origins of this day. Already back in 1621, uh, the Plymouth Pilgrims uh, dedicated a day in which they would congregate together as a people and express in a very tangible way their profound gratitude to the providence of our Lord and our God. Also, the Continental Congress of November 1, 1777, adopted the following recommendation, which we read at some length. For as much as it is the indispensable duty of all men to adore the superintending providence of Almighty God, to acknowledge with gratitude their obligation to Him for benefits received, and to implore such farther blessings as they stand in need of. And it having pleased Him in His abundant mercy, not only to continue to us the innumerable bounties of His common providence, it is therefore recommended to the legislative or executive powers of these United States to set apart Thursday, the 18th day of December next, for solemn thanksgiving and praise, that with one heart and one voice, the good people may express their grateful feelings of their hearts and consecrate themselves to the service of their divine benefactor, and that they together, with their sincere acknowledgments and offerings, may join the penitent confession of their manifold sins, whereby they had forfeited every favor, and their humble and earnest supplication that it may please God through the merits of Jesus Christ, mercifully to forgive and blot them out of remembrance. It may please Him graciously to afford His blessings on the governments of these states respectively and prosper the public counsel of the whole, to inspire our commanders both by land and sea and all under them with that wisdom and fortitude which may render them fit instruments under the providence of Almighty God to secure for these United States the greatest of all blessings, independence and peace, that it may please Him to prosper the trade and manufacturers of the people and the labor of the husbandmen, that our land may yield its increase, 
to take schools and seminaries of education so necessary for the cultivating the principles of true liberty, virtue, and piety under his nurturing hand, and to prosper the means of religion for the promotion and enlargement of that kingdom which consisteth in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And again, we do not read this to congratulate ourselves, nor to just reflect historically upon uh, a former day that perhaps we may perceive was a better day. But we read this to remind ourselves of the intention of a national day of thanksgiving. And we find ourselves now as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, at least in part as it is manifested here in this local congregation. And we find ourselves uh, then coming together to express thanksgiving to our Lord and to our God. But that begs a couple of questions. What are we thankful for? And perhaps the more critical question, to whom are we thankful? So what are we thankful for and to whom are we thankful? I would suppose that if you were to survey uh, the common populace of our nation, many uh, lists could be given of things that we are thankful for. But more specifically, to whom are we to express our thanksgiving? Well, our questions we trust will be answered by our text, Psalm 100, as we consider it together this morning with a simple theme, a psalm for thanksgiving. And As we move through this psalm, we'll notice, first of all, the knowledge behind thanksgiving, because thanksgiving cannot, should not be an ignorant activity, but rather one that is knowledgeable of certain truths. And then secondly, we'll consider the action in thanksgiving, because thanksgiving should be more than just uh, a feast of gluttony and of laziness. So what action ought we to take in thanksgiving? And then thirdly, the reason for thanksgiving. So a psalm for thanksgiving, the knowledge, the action, and then the reason for thanksgiving. Using Psalm 100 as our inspired guide, we make our way, first of all, by considering the knowledge behind thanksgiving. And I would submit to you this morning that the person who is to express profound gratitude towards God, the person who is to express sincere thanksgiving to God must know at least two basic truths. You and I, as those who worship God and also as those who express thanksgiving to God this morning, must have a knowledge of the Lord as Creator and must have a knowledge of the Lord as Redeemer. And you'll notice that this is emphasized within Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord is He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And just notice with me for a moment this morning uh, that thanksgiving is not just simply some sentimental, emotional experience. Because if we're honest with ourselves, our sentimental emotions at times do not feel thankful. So thanksgiving is something more than a fickle expression of our emotions. Know. Know that the Lord, He is God. That's where true thanksgiving begins. A certain knowledge. And perhaps that very phrase reminds you of the Heidelberg Catechism's definition of true faith. So this is a knowledge that is a part of true an active and living faith. This is a knowledge concerning 
who the Lord God is in and of Himself, but also in relationship to us. This is a knowledge that is derived from the revelation that we have within Scripture that is also affirmed by the experience that we have of living within the realm of created reality. Know that the Lord, He is God. And perhaps, perhaps that is one of the reasons why we have this tradition of gathering together for a corporate worship service in the morning of a national day of thanksgiving, so that we might be reminded of that which we know, or at least that which we ought to know. And that subsequent generations, our children and our grandchildren, they also might grow up and come to know that the Lord, He is God. Because, well, the National Day of Thanksgiving, by and large, is an activity that involves all of the citizens of our nation. There is something particular, something unique about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ here in the United States of America. Because we know something. And that knowledge is that the Lord is the Creator. He alone has created us. He alone, that is, the Lord our God alone, is the Sovereign One. That's why we chose to read from Psalm 104. Everything within the realm of creative order is completely dependent upon the one true Sovereign God. Whether that be the beasts that go and creep about in the night, or whether that be uh, the growing of the vegetation, or whether that be ourselves, it all is dependent upon the Creator God Almighty. Now this is the knowledge of faith as is testified by Hebrews 11, verse 3. By faith, we, the we there uh, is not humanity in common or in general. The we there are those who live by faith and those who die by faith. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, by faith we understand, you might say, we know that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. We say that this knowledge is particular because it stands in remarkable contrast to what we might call the secularism of our age or the humanism of our age. By and large, the worldview in which we live in the midst in our own culture and in our own land is committed to the ideology that we are what we make ourselves. And that there's really nothing outside of our own realm. There's really no transcendent being. And that's why I believe that our culture is so confused when it comes to a National Day of Thanksgiving. Give thanksgiving to whom? Well, many in Western culture would say, well, give thanksgiving to ourselves. Let us exalt ourselves. Let us look at what we have done. But I believe that in human nature, uh, there's something underlying. We know that we have not created ourselves, even though we try to convince ourselves, by and large, in our culture, that we are the responsible agents who are determining our own destiny. But that's a lie. And so, Christian, as you come to this day of thanksgiving, know that the Lord, He is God. He is the One who has called all things into existence out of nothing. He is the One who providentially maintains all things. But not only do we need to know the Lord as Creator, but also the Lord as Redeemer. And so the text says, not only know that the Lord, He is God, it is He who has made us and not we ourselves. It also says we are His people and the sheep 
of his pastor. And so the movement is from this knowledge of God's creative work in general to a more specific knowledge of the Lord God as our Redeemer. We are His people. Know that we are His people. And and Christian, this morning, your, your heart, my heart, our heart, ought to be moved to profound gratitude as we reflect upon the fact that God has created us. But then that gratitude ought to be even heightened by the knowledge that God has not only created us, but He also has redeemed us. He has delivered us and He has brought us into a unique covenantal relationship of fellowship with Himself. He has delivered us from our spiritual sin and misery through the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the expression of thanksgiving cannot just be a common activity whereby we in some generic way pay tribute to some deistic force out there somehow who maintains order within the cosmos. No, we know that the Lord God created us and redeemed us. And if you do not have that knowledge, the knowledge of redemption, the knowledge of deliverance, the knowledge of salvation through the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, then thanksgiving is indeed most difficult, if not impossible. And so even on a national day of thanksgiving, there is the call to faith especially to those who may be experiencing the emptiness of an attempt to express thanksgiving without a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm always struck, and I'm sure there's a variety of reasons, but statistics tell me, I don't know from personal experience, but statistics tell me that the night before Thanksgiving Day is the busiest night for the bars. Now again, I say there's probably a variety of reasons why that is, but could part of the reason be that our culture is confronted with the futility of life lived apart from a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if anyone who hears these words is experiencing the sense of that emptiness, know that the Lord is God. And we are the people who belong to Him through the exercise of faith and repentance in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. For there to be a true expression of thanksgiving, we must know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And now, I don't know exactly what your year has involved in the year of our Lord 2021. I know to some extent what my year has involved. And as we go through this day, Perhaps some of us struggle and think, well, what should we be thankful for? Maybe nothing more than the repetition of Psalm 100, verse 3. And maybe as you gather around your Thanksgiving table, as you reflect perhaps upon heartaches of broken relationships, of the death of loved ones, of diagnosis of illnesses, perhaps you just simply need to repeat verse 3 over and over. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we are ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Because that beloved Christian is reason enough to offer thanksgiving. Well, how then are we to offer this thanksgiving? Uh, that's our second point, the action. And here verse 4 gives us clear 
guidance. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. And so based upon that verse, supported by other scriptural passages, uh, we would submit to you this morning that the action in thanksgiving is a joyful, worshipful praise of thanksgiving and a joyful, worshipful service of thanksgiving. Uh, And in the outline, we've put that word joy because that needs to characterize the entirety of the Christian life. Now that's not to minimize the fact Uh, that there is a godly sorrow that produces repentance and that is a continued experience also within the Christian life. Nor does this deny the fact uh, that there are tears that are shed uh, on occasions within the earthly life experience. Our Lord Jesus Christ Himself wept uh, as He realized the brokenness of the created realm with the death of His close friend Lazarus. Uh, But the Christian life can and should be characterized by a certain note of joy. And that's why the Apostle Paul can write to the church, rejoice, and again I say rejoice always. And it gives us perhaps opportunity for reflection. Are we characterized, when I say the we, we as individual persons, we as family units, but also we as a congregation, the church in Western society, are we characterized by a people who are joyful? Now, not in some superficial type of a way, but in a sincere, honest, God-glorifying way. Because thankfulness, thankfulness cannot truly be expressed without joy. And the joy that ought to characterize our thankfulness should be a joy that comes as a result of what we know, not necessarily what we feel. That's why we began uh, the homiletical structure, if you will, with the knowledge The joy flows out of the knowledge. Knowing that the Lord is our Creator and that He is our Redeemer and that I have a personal relationship of covenantal fellowship with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and that nothing on earth, nothing under the earth, nothing above the earth can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. That ought to produce within us joy. But does it? If you were an outsider, so to speak, looking in on your own life, on the life of your family, on the life of this congregation, would you say, now there is a person who is filled with joy. There must be joy. And there can be joy. Now perhaps this year was not the most blessed year. Maybe when you run all of the numbers concerning your business, it's not what last year was or what five years ago were. Maybe when you look at the relationships uh, at a horizontal level, maybe you go, well, this relationship is strained and that relationship was broken. That's why we need to know that the Lord, He is God. He has created us. And He has redeemed us. And we are heirs. Sons and daughters. And so with this joy, there can then be the acknowledgement that God is worthy. One thing that I would 
desire to drive into my own heart and into your hearts is that we would recognize that when we come to worship corporately, primarily on the Sabbath day, but also as other occasions allow, when we come into the congregation, into the assembly of God's people, we come to acknowledge that the Lord God is worthy of our praise. Worthy of our honor. So much worship, sadly, is self-focused. I had a conversation just this week with a young man. Uh, Bless his heart. I hope he's led and guided by the Scriptures and by the Spirit. But he was talking about in Paolo, there's churches on every corner. I said, well, yeah, that's a pretty accurate description of Pella. He said, you know, and there's so many different styles of worship. I said, yeah. I mean, I haven't been to any other churches in Pella, but I acknowledge that there is a variety of styles. Then he said, well, I guess it just comes down to you pick the style that fits you the best. I thought, is that really what worship is to be? I pick the style that fits me best? There's a whole lot of I and me in that. Is that what worship is about? I and me? Not to deny that we benefit from worship, but worship by the very definition of it is to be focused upon the acknowledgement that the Lord God is Great. And that's why the psalm reads the way it does. Enter into His gates and into His courts. Notice that everything is theologically focused. And in the expression of thanksgiving, especially on a national day of thanksgiving, we also need to be reminded that we have to have this theological focus rather than a self-focused. We don't gather together in our families, at least hopefully not, to say, wow, how great we are and how good we have been and what wonderful works we have accomplished in this year. But rather we come into the presence of the Lord our God and there being confronted by something of His majesty and of His splendor. Uh, We figuratively speaking at least bow down and we take songs upon our lips and we take prayers upon our mouths and we Present ourselves to the Lord God and we acknowledge with joy in our heart that He is worthy of all of our thanksgiving and all of our gratitude. And not only in our corporate worship, but also as we serve the Lord our God. You notice verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. And now certainly the psalm is talking most specifically about corporate worship, but by extension it applies to all of the days of our lives. And here also the Christian church ought to have something that sets it apart, something that is tangible, something that the world can see. So many people, and it saddens my heart to see them, so many people are living with angst and just the realization of the futility of life lived apart from God. You can see them. They drag their feet. Their eyes are constantly downcast. Uh, There's just a spirit of complaint that lives within their very soul. Uh, And part of the reason is they don't know what in the world they're living for. But sadly, sometimes also within the church, there are individuals who are just going through the, the motions of life. The congregation, the Christian life, 
as a life of thanksgiving should be one in which we are delighted that we have the opportunity to serve the Lord with gladness, whatever that may be in our respective vocation or calling. And now this is a radical, it's countercultural, but this is the heartbeat, at least in part, of what the Reformation rediscovered. That whether it be in the domestic setting, there can be the service of the Lord our God with gladness. Whether that be in the academic setting, in the primary grades or in secondary studies, there can be that I'm serving the Lord with gladness. Whether it's in the factory or the farm uh, or in some other type of industry, you and I ought to be those who are characterized by joy as we serve the Lord with thanksgiving. Perhaps with a dirt under our fingernails uh, or Greasy hands. Or perhaps with all of the intellectual ability that the Lord God has gifted us with. And see, I am convinced that if I myself could do this in a more consistent manner, and perhaps if we together could do this in a more consistent manner, that then people would begin to ask us for the reason for the hope that is within us. And then we'd have the opportunity uh, to faithfully fulfill that exhortation that Peter gives us. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart, no matter what you're doing. And then when the world sees that there's something different, that these people, they know the Lord their God as Creator and as Redeemer. And so they have joy in their heart. You know how shocking it can be to somebody when you perhaps go to the hardware store, perhaps the grocery store, and as you interact and as you converse, to have a smile on your face and a note of joy as you communicate, people will look at you and go, something different. I wonder what it is. And when they ask us, we can say, well, I serve the Lord with gladness in my heart because I know that He is the Lord. He has created me and He has redeemed me. And that is something of the action of thanksgiving. And of course we use in our corporate worship songs and prayers, but all of our life is to be sanctified unto the Lord our God. Well, why then should we give thanksgiving? In our third point, and we could again, you could go down and perhaps you do this around your family table this afternoon, list things of which we are thankful for. And that certainly is a good practice. Here we're more generic, you might say. What we are to give thanks for are the attributes of the Lord our God. Three specifically are mentioned in this psalm in verse 5. Four, that's the ground. Why be thankful to Him? Why bless His name? For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Now we've already had the opportunity using Psalm 104 to reflect upon God's Providence in the realm of sustaining our life, and all of that is included. But briefly this morning, I want to move through these three attributes of the Lord. So you and I, as Christians, are to give thanksgiving to the Lord because He is good. Simply put, God is exactly what He should be. And God is exactly who He should be. Now, in our experience, there are times in which we might say, well, this was not a good year, or this was not a good event, this was not a good thing that happened to me, but God is good. He's exactly what He should be. 
And He always will be exactly what He should be. You can't say this about anyone else. But God is infinitely good. That ought to be one of the reasons that we praise Him and worship Him. And just to add to this, the goodness of the Lord our God, and this is wonderfully summarized by our Belgian confession, the goodness of the Lord our God overflows from out of Himself and extends to us. So God is good in and of Himself, but He's also good to us. He stands in a perfect relationship to us. And so praise the Lord your God, your Creator and your Deemer, knowing that He is good. Not only is He good, He's also a God that is merciful. Now, you, you could become quite technical and you could say, well, the attributes of God in and of Himself are all one, so His mercy is a good mercy. We understand that. We're just delineating them for our own uh, understanding. The Lord God is good in part because He is a merciful God. What does mercy mean? Uh, A simple, perhaps, catechism answer, or maybe even a Sunday school answer, is that God in His mercy does not give us what we deserve. He does not deal with us as we deserve. I like to say it this way, God's grace is where He gives us that which we do not deserve. His mercy is that whereby He does not give us that which we do deserve. What do we deserve? As a result of our own sinful nature, we deserve eternal condemnation. But God has not given us that. He has passed that eternal condemnation onto His only begotten Son in the sacrificial atoning death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so God is a God who is merciful unto us. Do you need a reason to thank the Lord your God today? His mercy. And now notice what the psalmist says. You know, it would be one thing for to say, well, God is merciful. And that in and of itself is reason to give thanksgiving. But notice that he says His mercy is everlasting. And allow your mind to contemplate this truth. When was the Lord God first merciful with you? From eternity past. And when will the Lord God cease being merciful to you? Never. So if we can speak this way for our own comprehension, from time extended infinitely backwards, God was merciful to you. And time extended infinitely forward, God is merciful to you. There has never been a day, a moment, Christian, where God was not merciful to you. So thank the Lord our God because He is good and because He is merciful and because He is a God also of truth. Uh, Just simply one aspect of truth. The Lord God speaks truth in and through the Lord Jesus Christ as Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the life, and the truth. Uh, But I want to emphasize this especially this morning. God is exactly who He says He will be and He does exactly what He says He will do. God is true. He's true to His own promises. Now, we live in a day and in an age, especially if you uh, consume news reports, if they can even be called news reports anymore. Uh, Numerous times I've heard over the last year, year and a half, people say, I don't even know what to believe anymore. No matter what news channel is your favorite news channel, no matter what political commentator is your favorite political commentator, there is this sense that we all have, I believe, that we don't know who we can trust. What are the facts? 
and what is to simply spin. Well, here's the fact. God is true. All men are liars. Experience testifies to that. But God is true. He's true to Himself. And He's true to the promises that He has made that apply to His people. And so today, you can give thanksgiving. You ought to give thanksgiving. Knowing that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, not we ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. And we know that God is good and that He's merciful and that He's true. And we have experienced that within this past year. And we trust on the authority of the Word of God and the immutable character of our Lord that we will continue to experience that in the years that lie ahead, even into all of eternity. So today is a national day of thanksgiving. Let us as a particular, peculiar people, the Christian church, express our thanksgiving to God, knowing that He alone is the Lord our God. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we stand humbly amazed at who You are and also the blessing that You have revealed to us who You are. That You are the Lord. That You are the Lord God. Who is a good God. Who is a merciful God. And who is a true God. And may we then worship You with joy and with thanksgiving both in this day but all the days of our lives. Through Jesus Christ in whose name we do pray. Amen.